You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. My special guest today is six times New York Times bestselling author Spencer Quinn. Spencer will be uh, here talking about writing and all the wonderful things he does, and most importantly, discussing the latest in the Chet and Bernie mystery series, Paul and Order. So we're all excited about that, find out what Chet and Bernie's up to and everything that's happening with uh, Spencer as well. So everybody hang tight, and we're going to come back with uh, him in a moment. But before we proceed, how would you like to receive a free copy of my audiobook? Yes, my book, Wagging Tells, Every Animal Has a Tell, is now available on audiobook. Purchase through Audible, Amazon, and iTunes. But by listening to this show, you have an opportunity to receive a free downloadable copy of the audiobook. Now, sometime during the show, I'll ask a question about Spencer or his book or something today on the show. Everybody listen closely and write it down. And the first person to email me at tim at petliferadio.com. It's tim at petliferadio.com. First person to email me with the correct answer will receive a free copy of my audiobook, Wagging Tells. Every animal has a tell. So we're excited about that. So everybody listen closely and get on the computer afterwards and send in the correct answer. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll come right back after these commercial break. We're going to talk to Spencer Quinn about his latest book, Paul in Order. You're listening to Animal Rights Show on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership Plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Now joining me on the show is author Spencer Quinn. Spencer, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you on the show. It's uh, always great uh, catching up with all your activities and obviously the latest books. And uh, we want to talk specifically about the latest Paw and Order. Tell us a little bit about the book. Well, Paw and Order is the seventh book in the Chet and Bernie mystery series, which began in 2009 with Dog on it. And these are detective novels. The detective is named Bernie. The stories are told by his dog, Chet. So they're the Chet and Bernie mysteries. Chet tells the stories, and Bernie's a detective, although Chet also is a detective. But the key thing to remember about this series, and if it works, the whole reason it does, is that Chet is not a talking dog. He's not a human 
you know, wrapped in a dog suit. He's as canine as I could make him. But I'm sure, as all your listeners know, dogs have a narrative going on in their head. And it's that narrative that's on the page. So Paw and Order is the seventh in the series. Most of the books take place in a place called the Valley, which Chet finally finds out in book six is actually in Arizona. But in book seven, Paw and Order, they take a case in Washington, D.C., so it's actually a kind of Graham Greene, John le Carré, international spy story in some ways, only seen through the eyes of a dog. There you go. We like the twists and turns, and obviously if a dog's telling the story, it's always interesting as well, and, and Chet does a good job with that. I want to ask you about the series in general, stepping back to the first book, Dog on It. How did you come about the whole process? I mean, how did you create the characters? What were the thoughts? Were you, is this a brainchild you've had since uh, you were a small child, or were you just uh, sitting around drinking some uh, beverages <laughs> and <laughs> came up with it? <laughs> okay. Actually, the beverages part is slightly true. Um, <laughs> you are an author, by the way, so it has to come naturally. <laughs> oh, no, that's one of, of course, that's almost in your contract. But I you know what happened was we were at dinner one night at home, my wife and I, and so there were a couple glasses of wine and she said, you should do something with dogs. And this is a strange thing about the writing business that I've learned is that sometimes six months worth of work can happen in a flash, like 30 seconds. And also the opposite is true. So don't go jumping into it anytime soon. But within 30 seconds, I knew the three key things about the series. The first one that I, well, the first that, that it was going to be a, a book where the story is told by a dog. And then the second, what I already mentioned was that he wasn't going to be a talking dog or know anything about Mozart or anything like that. He'd know the world in a doggish way. And then third, the kind of book that he was going to go in. And I, you know, all the way back in mystery fiction, almost at the very beginning, you get this structure of a buddy, two detectives, and the sidekick tells the story in the first person. It goes back to Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, you know, where Dr. Watson tells the story and Sherlock Holmes is the brilliant detective. Well, of course, Chet, you know, didn't turn out to be a sidekick at all. So my wife said this and I went over to my office. We have like a detached garage and, and over it is, you know, the room where my office is. So I have like this 15-foot commute. So I took my commute. It was like the evening, right? And I uh, went upstairs to my office and I wrote what became the first page of Dog on It just to see if it worked. And I took it back to the house. My wife read it over. We voted two to zero that it worked. So a good thing the kids weren't home. We could have lost four to two and there wouldn't have been a Chet and Bernie series. And that's the way the whole thing started. But I, I have to say that I could never have done this if I haven't had, you know, dogs around during my life. Just observing them and living with them is where all my information came from. Yeah, they are the, they are the greatest teachers around. I, I do have to say that. Uh, just everyday life and how they respond and the interesting and funny things they do and the things that aggravate the heck out of you as well. Absolutely. But, you know, so a writing, you know, a writer at work is kind of a, I mean, it's a boring kind of thing to look at. You know, it's just someone sitting there. So you do a lot of staring out the window. And all these years, staring out the window, I'm seeing our dogs. You know, and so we live overlooking a salt marsh, and, and there's lots of wildlife here. There are foxes and coyotes. And so I would see, like, a fox come, and, and the dogs chase them off, and just different things they did. Or here's an example. We had a dog called Charlie. We have two dogs now, but Charlie, unfortunately, is dead. And he, Charlie wasn't very bright, although he was beautiful. He was a very good-looking dog. 
but he was there. I didn't realize he was doing this for months until I figured it out. You know where the UPS guy and the FedEx guys come, and we live, like you can't really see them coming. They come out of the woods, and then they come down a hill, and I would notice that he, all of a sudden, he'd go down to the road if it was the FedEx guy, Only, and then the FedEx guy would show up later. In other words, he had heard the truck. He went down there for the FedEx guy, but he did not go for the UPS guy. And I finally realized that only the FedEx guy gave him a biscuit and that he could tell the difference in the sound of the two trucks. And that's how he did it. So the sound of the UPS truck coming down the road, he would go greet him because he got the biscuit. Because he got the the biscuit. And the FedEx truck sounded a little differently, so he didn't even bother. No, and he didn't even bother. Right, he didn't stir. <laughs> exactly. So that was a huge, for me, that was really big. I thought, wow, you know, if you gave Charlie an IQ test, okay, he probably wouldn't do that well. But in terms of this, he's so far ahead of me, <laughs> you know, that so Chet, one of the things about Chet and the Chet and Bernie Mysteries is that they're told in, in, a, large, in a large way through the senses of smell and hearing over the visual because for dogs, the visual is probably their third sense on the go-to list. So in the Chet and Bernie mysteries, which are all described by Chet, he's not a talking dog, but he describes everything that's happening. So a lot of this description has to do with what he smells and what he hears, much more important than what he sees. And in terms of detection, although he can't necessarily communicate this to Bernie, you know, for example, if some bad guy puts on a mask the second time he's seen, you know, in in the book, that's not going to fool Chet for a second, whereas it could fool a human being, but it wouldn't fool Chet because he smells the same, and Chet knows right away. So in some ways, Chet is way ahead of the story, and in some, he's behind, and and that kind of makes him an unreliable narrator, which is a fun thing to have in a traditional mystery. There you go, and I think it's great in the fact that you're right, you know, the sense of smell with a dog is, you know, 50 times greater or 500 times greater than a human's, and that's what they rely on, so you're tying in some, you know, reality behind it, but yet on the other hand, it's sort of, you know, like you mentioned, going back to the Sherlock Holmes days, you know, solving a lot of mysteries just simply by, by smell, by a, a unique smell or something that can only be handled in a certain way or happen in a certain way. Yes, exactly, and he also can hear, you know, danger coming from farther away, and he, and this is true in real life, of course, you know, there's an elderly couple that live next door to Chet and Bernie, and I think early in the series, one day, Chet smells a strange smell and coming off one of these people, and the way it's expressed, we, the reader, knows that this is a case of Chet smelling illness. And you know the dogs, of course, can smell certain illnesses in people. Right. So it sets up a kind of impending menace or fear that Chet isn't giving you directly. Your mind applied to his observation leads to that. So in terms of a writer um, and what you can do, this opened up a whole world of interesting technical things for me. It will probably bore your listeners to tears, so we won't go into them. But they were great for me. Right. No, tell us about them because one of the things I like to try to do with the show is I want to talk about the books and I want to talk about you know the, the background of it, especially talk about the animals. But I also want to know about the writing techniques. So what are some of these unique things that opened up for you as a writer? Well, see, the plotting of a mystery novel, these are all mystery novels, of course. The plotting of a mystery novel, actually, it's a lot like the solving of a real crime. You, you gather up a whole lot of clues and you put them in a logical order that leads you to some conclusion. Well, Chet can't do that. And even if he could, some important clue might be about to be revealed. And at that moment, he sniffs a Cheeto under a couch 
and he's gone for that scene. So he he's an unreliable narrator, which is a fictional technique that's actually, like if you go get an MFA in writing, which I never did, um, you'll learn about that. Well, Chet's an unreliable narrator, but to marry that to this traditionally logical type of storytelling sort of blew it into bits and I had to reshape it all. And I think that's one of the reasons that the books seem, if I may say so myself, kind of fresh in the mystery field. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the questions I want to perfect lead into this next question is writing a series. You know, uh, for some people, I would possibly think that writing a series like the uh, Chet and Bernie mysteries would be fairly easy because it's you build upon the beginning and continue to grow. But what are those challenges that you run into? Because you've got to keep it fresh. You've got to keep it unique. You can't just be changing location and, and who the killer is to make it fresh. How do you go about doing that? Absolutely. You're, I mean, you're totally, the freshness is, I mean, I'm sure you have listeners who've, you know, they read a book, the first one in the series, and they love it, and they read the second, and they like it a lot, and then the third one, they begin to see the effort behind the scenes. It happens so often. I, one of the things that I do is, you know, you have, for example, I mentioned this elderly couple, the Parsons. Well, in the book I'm writing now that comes out in July, the eighth book in the series, it's going to be called Sense and sensibility. Um, They're much more prominent, and it turns out that they have this troubled son who they've never talked about, and I build most of the story about him and what's happened to him. So you can, it's like a, a thread and you, that starts earlier in the series and, and you can weave it in and then show things from different angles and, and begin to re-understand some of the characters. I think that's one of the things you can do to keep it fresh. Moving it to a, a location per se is not going to do it. But sometimes by doing that, new possibilities arise. For example, in Paw and Order, which is the latest book, the one that takes place in Washington, D.C., early in the book, Chet notices this very strange bird. Now, he doesn't like birds to begin with because they have mean little eyes, and, and he thinks that if he could soar around the great blue sky all day, he would not be in a mean mood. But this, so he doesn't like birds to begin with, and this bird is very strange, and it, it hovers outside the window, and it appears to have no eyes at all. So he barks, and Bernie just tells him to be quiet. This bird appears again, and again Chet barks. This time Bernie turns to look, and just as he does, the bird goes behind a tree. The third time, it happens at a key moment, and Bernie finally looks, and he sees this strange what's to chat a very strange bird hovering in the sky but bernie of course knows right away but he doesn't say it but what he does is he takes the tire iron out of the trunk of the car and bernie of course has a great arm he pitched for army at west point that comes up over and over chet's very because when they play fetch bernie can throw the ball so far and bernie brings this thing down out of the sky and it falls to pieces and chet sees that it's just a machine that in fact in pieces reminds him of Bernie's computer one day when an accident happened with it, obviously caused by Chet. So we know it's a drone. So you can, by changing location, I was able to bring a very contemporary thing like a drone into it, which really applies in terms of spying and everything like that, only still all seen through the eyes of a dog. Very exciting. Very exciting. All right. Hey, listen, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but we're going to come back with uh, Spencer Quinn, talk to him a little bit more about the book. 
Paul in order. Also talk to him about his uh, writing and his writing styles and what he does on a daily basis. So we got a lot of great things to cover. Everybody hang tight. We're going to continue our conversation after these messages. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, also known as the Pet Lady. I travel from coast to coast to pet trade shows and consumer events to scout out what the hottest, hippest, and most unique pet products are on the planet, bringing you tips and tricks from top veterinarians, groomers, trainers on how to safely travel and live happily with your pets. The Pet Lady will be in a city near you, showing off the latest and greatest tech pet gadgets, cozy comforts, and fab gift ideas for man's and woman's best friend. You can learn more at thepetlady.net or connect socially and tweet with me at Pet Lady World. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Hey there, pet parents. This is Christy Vaughn, host of The Doggy Dish. Do you love your furry companion? Do you love making him or her healthy treats but can't seem to find the time? Great news. The Doggy Dish is the perfect show for you. Every episode is chock full of healthy and easy recipes that are made with ingredients you most likely have on hand. Tune into The Doggy Dish for yummy and healthy recipes for your canine kids. Every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link. And I wanted to tell you about some exciting news. Well, at least I'm very excited about it. Hopefully you will be as well. My latest book is available now for pre-order. Talking with dogs and cats. Joining the conversation to improve behavior. And bonding with your animals is now available for pre-order on both Amazon and Barnes and Noble. So everybody, take a look at that. There's some super duper discounts going on. Uh, everybody, get on board and take a look at that. I, I really appreciate it. So it's talking with dogs and cats by Tim Link. Yours truly. So everybody, check it out. We're back here with Spencer Quinn talking to him about his latest book, Paul in Order: The Chet and Bernie Mysteries. Now, Spencer, you were talking before the break a little bit about keeping it fresh, keeping the idea, keeping things flowing, mm-hmm. so the, uh, the readers have uh, fresh material, fresh thoughts, and ideas going on. Now, as a writer, especially a, as an author of a mystery series, how do you keep it fresh? Do you have any challenges keeping it fresh and keeping you motivated, or do you just have so many ideas that you can't wait to get to the next book? Well, okay, first of all, in terms of motivation, you know, I like to put food on the table. (laughs) (laughs) That always motivates me, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's really all I need for motivation. No, but I love to write. I love to do this. I've been very, very lucky 
when it comes to what you just alluded to, and that is finding ideas. They seem to come to me with enough regularity so that I never have to go hunting, you know, for the idea that the book is going to be centered around. But in terms of keeping it fresh, the voice, Chet has this voice that so many readers have remarked on. It's, I just love writing and it. it's a lively kind of voice. And I think, you know, this is something that I had no intention that this would happen. But over and over, I get like Facebook messages because Chet is on Facebook. He also has a blog, ChetTheDog.com. But the messages saying, you know, I was in a, you know, going through a bad time in my life and, you know, I happened upon one of your books and it really helped me get through that. And, and people have remarked on Chet's personality. And I, I think what it is, is these books aren't what they call in the mystery world cozies. They really have darkness in them. They're more noirish, really, if anything. And, and, you know, Chet can suffer and bad things can happen in these books. But after I started getting these emails, I, I sort of looked back on them myself. And I, Chet, he can suffer and go through bad times, but he bounces back to his reset position very quickly. And his reset position is one of optimism, love of life, and feeling good, which is true of every dog that I've ever lived with. Mm -hmm. And once I realized that was happening in the books, I, I'm not like, I'm not a, a quick bouncing back to the reset position <laughs> guy myself, but I've actually started to imitate Chet, just making myself do it. And I think it kind of works. So that's pretty weird that you you know, some figment of your imagination, you know, could influence you in a positive way. So that's how I, I don't worry much about keeping it fresh. I just start writing in this voice and, and it really takes over. I think you hit it on the head right there and the fact that, you know, if we look just real world, let's take, you know, fictional characters out of the, the equation or fictional dogs out of the equation. One of the most important lessons we can learn from a dog is to live in the moment bounce back quickly if you have some uh, challenges, don't worry about them, and have fun with life. And it sounds like Chet brings that to the table, and obviously Chet brings that out in you as well. Yes, I think so. And I mean, that really, I mean, that's something that's drawn me to dogs. For I just love that. And sometimes they can be goofy that way. But, you know, they're also, they can be so brave, and Chet is brave, you know, and fearless and curious and ignoring things that should be ignored often and impulsive at times. I've just had a lot of fun, you know, writing this character. Yeah, and you've done a great job, and it shows. It shows Thank from you. talking to you, be honest with you, Spencer, and, and the books itself. They just flow so nicely, and uh, you do a great job with them. Thank you. Thank you very yeah. much. Now, I want to talk to you about your writing process. You know, I talk to a lot of uh, writers and authors and, and uh, people that write for different types of publications, and usually they fall in maybe three different categories. There are those writers who write daily, do or die, the ones that write for a deadline, so sort of like how I went through college, wait until the day before to study for the test, uh, or somewhere <laughs> in the middle, you know, where they get just a, a whim or get uh, on a roll and they start writing. How do you work as a writer? What's your technique? Well, I it's a combination, really. I do try to write every day, but of course, you know, in the writing biz, you sign contracts and there are deadlines in those contracts. But I don't, yeah, my college days are over. I can relate to what you're talking about. <laughs> but this is, I think it's impossible to write a novel, you know, on that last night, you know, with Benzedrine. That's not <laughs> going to work. So I, and I like to work. I like to work every day. And at least, you know, even if you don't do a whole lot, I, I set a goal of like a thousand words a day, maybe, and I often don't reach it. But at least I've done something. And so the day after when you come, you're not where you were before. 
you're adding to the story. And of course, adding to the story works in two ways for me. I never want to put anything in the story that doesn't advance it. In other words, even some piece of description that's beautiful, you know, about a sunset, if it isn't advancing the story, I delete it. I'm very strict about, about that kind of thing. When I've told people this, they'll say, well, how can you write it every day? What, what if you get stuck? In fact, I was on a, um, a panel at the Tucson Book Festival last year, maybe the year before. It's a great book festival, by the way, if your listeners are interested or ever out there. And so, you know, there were a few writers up on the stage, and someone in the audience said, what about writer's block? And the uh, other two writers, you know, bemoaned writer's block and how awful. And I, I mean, I knocked on wood, but I said, I've never had it. And they said, what? And I said, <laughs> what? If I ever feel like that I'm going to be stuck, I step back and I think about the engine that drives the story. Now, hopefully, you've got an engine driving your story. If you don't, that's a problem from the get-go. But I step back and I think of the engine that drives the story. And when I think about that, some narrative route suggests itself. For example, with the Chet and Bernie series, the engine that drives the story is the love between Chet and Bernie. And as long as I keep that in mind... That's how I advance the story. It's really, you know, a love story in a way between these two characters. So uh, about a week after that festival, I got a two-word email from one of those writers. And the two words were, it works. <laughs> so wow. step back and, and remember the, the, heart, the heart of the story, the engine that, that drives it. That's right. And I, I hope you wrote him a, a, a consultation invoice for uh... – <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. I should have yeah. thought. See, I'm very bad on the business side. <laughs> very I'll, I'll tell you, you, got the kids, got the dogs, you got to put that food on the table, like you said. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> now, Spencer, looking back, perhaps looking on it now, as well as, uh, more importantly, looking back on the first one uh, in the series, Dog On It, one of the questions I get asked all the time, and I'll pitch it out to you, see if you have any magic fairy dust to enlighten us all on. And please don't invoice me if you do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but how does one become a New York Times bestselling author? What's it take? Other than, obviously, we have to have a great story. It catches the attention of uh, the reviewers and the fans alike. But what's it, what goes into it? You know, I really, I mean, you have to be, there's a lot of luck that goes into it. I would say that the publisher has to be really enthusiastic about it because they have limited resources and something has to happen that makes them want to get behind your story so they have to see some appeal. And the rest I really can't say. Um, I think we're, you know, advertising in the traditional sense plays less and less of a role. Uh, it's very expensive, you know, to have a full-page ad in a newspaper and whether they even work is questionable. I still think word of mouth is one of the biggest things going. And of course, with something that's dog oriented, I mean, there are 70 to 80 million dogs in this country. And presumably, there are a number of humans who are, you know, interested in things having to do with dogs. <laughs> but I'm also trying to write books where the mysteries are very solid, too. And that there's lots of suspense. So I'm hoping to bring in mystery writers as well. But I can't really 
say how you know bestsellers happen, and I I don't think there's a formula either. Yeah, I don't think there is either. I think it's pretty consistent, but I think you have to do a little bit of everything. And uh, like you mentioned, I think your publishing house has to be really really behind it. You know, even if it's not uh, spending millions of dollars, uh, it's more like just getting the, their word of the mouth because they know obviously tons and tons of people as well. Absolutely, and, that is yes, exactly. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah. And I have to admit, one of the, the first time I had heard about your writing and had a copy of Dog on it was uh, at a uh, dog festival. It was at a, an event that was focusing on writing about dogs and animals and uh, doing things of this sort, blogging, et cetera. And it popped up in a goodie bag. And uh, yeah, and this was <laughs> you know, long before I started uh, the show. And I thought, well, this is great. Started reading uh-huh. it. thought, well, this is fantastic. Did my research and thought, well, hey, there you go. And, uh, and now we know the rest of the story. So uh, yeah. So just- Well, I'm glad wh- that happened. That's exactly. Great. So write great stuff, get the word out and find some goodie bags. And <laughs> <laughs> Slip them into shoppers' bags as they're walking through the mall. That's exactly. anything you yeah. got to do. <laughs> now, Spencer, after everybody picks up a copy of Paul in Order and reads it, uh, they probably have already read the rest of the Chet and Bernie mysteries, but if they haven't, they can always go back and read them, and they're not going to miss a thing. I mean, they're, it's going to – Every, each one's going to be fresh, like you had mentioned. Well, and they can be read in any order. I really People say, what order should they be read in? And that's a question that Chet would never ask. You just yeah. dive in anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And, and they all flow real well. So I, 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 big kudos on that, because that's hard to do in a series. So you do great work with that. But after they've read this book or the series as a whole, what would you like the, uh, the reader to walk away with? What would be one thing that you'd say, here's why I want them to get out of this book? I would say a new perspective on looking at things in the world because these books show, you know, are looking at the world through the angle of a dog and not just the senses, but the emotions too. And I think that would be what I'd want. But mainly, I just want them to be really entertained. Yeah, be entertained and get the message. I think that's a good way to go about doing it. Thank you. All right. Well, Spencer, where can people find out more about uh, you and the book and everything going on and what's going on with uh, Chet and Bernie? Well, there are three places. <laughs> There's ChetTheDog.com, which is a blog. There's Chet has a Facebook page that's easily, you can easily find, and Chet's on Twitter as well. And that's a really easy place to, to find it. Now, there is going to be some new stuff because I'm writing a, a dog-narrated series, a middle-grade series for kids for Scholastic. Woof is the first book in the series, and it comes out in May. And it's not Chet and Bernie, but it is narrated by a dog, and it takes place down in Louisiana. So all the website stuff is going to be, all that will be added in. But right now, ChetTheDog.com and Facebook are a good place to find out about everything. Fantastic. So everybody go on to uh, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, like or follow Chet, and obviously go to ChetTheDog.com and follow all the wonderful uh, writings and all the activities going on. And, and Spencer, I hope you uh, come back next year uh, and see us to talk about the next Sense and Sensibility coming out next year and then uh, talking about Wolf as well. That's exciting stuff. So we hope to uh, hear back from you uh, sometime next year. It would be my pleasure, and I love the name of your show. Oh, thank right. you. Thank it's you. Great. Very, yeah. Oh, thank you very much. We like that, too. It's something that I came up with, so that's great. So no, it's great, it. and it's very much in keeping with the titles of the Chad and Bernie Mysteries, too. So. Absolutely. They it's go hand perfect. in hand. Fantastic. Well, Spencer, thanks again for coming on the show. We look forward to hearing from you soon. And uh, everybody, go pick up a copy of Paul and Order, a Chet and Bernie Mystery by Spencer Quinn. You're, you're going to love it. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, we're uh, coming to the end of the show uh, today. I want to thank everybody for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. 
I also like to thank our sponsors and producers for making the show possible. To find out more about me, Tim Link, and the other guests I've interviewed on my animal rights show, please visit PetLifeRadio.com, click on the animal rights icon, and listen to the shows, download the shows, take them with you. While you're there, make sure you check out all the other wonderful hosts and shows that you have on PetLife Radio. That's PetLifeRadio.com. If you have any questions for me, comments, or ideas for the show, people you want to hear from the most, you can email me. Email me at tim at petliferadio.com, and I'll be glad to answer your questions, entertain your comments, and bring on the people you want to hear from most. Also, here's your chance to win a copy of my audiobook, Wagging Tells Every Animal Has a Tell. Question for the day is, what is the name of Spencer's dog that used to greet the UPS guy to get his free biscuits? So what's the name of Spencer's dog who got the free biscuits from the UPS guy? First person to email me with the correct answer at tim at petliferadio.com. We'll get a copy of the audiobook Wagging Tells. Every animal has a tell. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Share it in a blog, an article, or in a book. And who knows? You may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Everybody have a great day. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.